From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we start with some bad guards feelings, more shades of brown, and some good Cavs vibes. On the road, we head into a great week of early morning TV with the World Cup kicking off and the Open Championship teeing off. Off the field, we go running, really weirdly, in the cinema for our review of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever, my co-hosts, Phil Danko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, are you ready to accept your mission tonight? <laughs> Only if it's going to self-destruct in five seconds. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely, I'm ready. All right, that was really weak. I'm sorry. I couldn't think of anything better, and you know, it kind of fits with the Mission Impossible thing. I Timely. will say, though, that it seems really unnecessary for like messages to self-destruct in five seconds yeah like, i don't know it's like, just like tear it up and throw yeah. it away and everything will be cool no send it over snapchat it. maybe or yeah, even even on. give even give him a minute or two right like why five seconds that seems really yeah, immediate yeah what I'm if like, he needed shit. to take notes or something like, like fuck i, I just heard this said. once <laughs> yeah <laughs> unnecessary stress for ethan hunt in my opinion anyway let's get started that's about the most fun we're going to have for a few minutes here. We're going to start at home with our Guardians weekend cap, our look back at the last weekend of Guardians baseball. Guards came back from their all-star break vacation refreshed and terrible. Guards got crushed by the Rangers Friday night, could not muster any runs on Saturday, and blew a three-run lead in the eighth on Sunday to complete the sweep. Guards finished the week at 45-48, and 48, out of first by two and a half games, and fellas, that was the good news. Now for the bad. Let's check in on our Shane Bieber Bristol stool chart, a tool for measuring amounts of poop. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> it was announced that Bieber would miss a start this week because his forearm was irritable, an injury that normally only affects 16-year-old boys. A day later, it was announced that he was going on the 15-day IL with elbow trouble. Tomorrow, I expect they will announce they removed his pitching arm above the elbow. How do you think it will impact his trade value if his pitching arm is amputated? I mean, Jim Abbott made it work. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> Too soon. Too <laughs> soon. You oh. can't say that. He was born that way. <laughs> if it's amputated, I don't think we're going to get a lot for him. <laughs> In all seriousness, what do the guards do now? You 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 hope that it's just 15 days and that it's not some weird naggy injury or something there, but I'm a little scared that it might be because you've seen his velocity not be what it's been from last season or even the season before. So so what do they do? You hope still somebody's gonna want Shane Bieber. Somebody everybody needs pitching. Somebody's going to want Shane Bieber. You just hope he's healthy enough or passes the physical or whatever it's gonna be. Uh, that they can put some kind of package together and, and get something in return. But I, I'm worried this hurts his trade value even more than his last five starts. This hurts his trade value so far as all trades are off. It's over. There will be no trade for Saint Shane Bieber this year because he's on a two-week no-pitch stint, which is going to take two weeks for him to ramp back up after that. You do the math on that. Who's renting that dude for a couple weeks at the end of the season? Probably nobody. So I think best case scenario, he pitches again for the Guardians for the first time in four or five weeks from now. 
you're not trading him this year. Not for what he we were hoping to get back anyway. If you trade him now, you're getting minor leaguers. You're getting uh, projects and prospects. So I think the trade's off. And I think um, silver lining here, these young, these young guards keep us in first place in a shitty division. And Tristan McKenzie and Shane Bieber tear through the playoffs because they'll all be back in <laughs> September. <laughs> we're screwed. That is the most optimistic possible view you could find. And I, I can't even get behind that one. I agree with you, Phil. I think this ends him getting traded this season. I don't think any team needs pitching bad enough to take him on when he's injured. And I wonder about whether there's a move in the off season for him, you know, I'm, what are you going to need to see from that guy if you're another team to to make a trade? Does this become a thing where the Guardians re-sign him on some yeah. team-friendly yeah. deal because we get him for we wrap him up for like <laughs> another two years or something like that? I don't know, but I don't think he's getting traded. So Bieber's gone with no asset coming back. McKenzie's gone. Quantrill's gone again. Our starting rotation currently consists of three pitchers, Savali, Bybee, and Williams. After that, is it Logan Allen back? Is Xavion Curry moving into the rotation? Hunter Gaddis is down in AAA. He's 1-6 with a 7.12 uh-huh. ERA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, do we see Zach Plesak again? He's 2-4 and four with a 7.14 ERA down in Columbus. What is a reasonable expectation for the starting pitching for the rest of the season for this team? Wow, that does not make me feel good. Of those options, I think you probably you probably get Logan Allen back. That guy was throwing well. He just couldn't he he was just taking 98 pitches into 3 innings. Like he couldn't yeah. he, he he was just he couldn't get length into the game. So, you know, if you get that guy back knowing that he was throwing well, but you're going to you're probably going to get into some middle relievers because you'll be lucky if he gets you into the fifth inning. That might be, be the better option uh, compared to Gaddis or Plesak coming up here and just getting shelled anyway in the first inning. It'd be an impromptu uh, bullpen game in that regard. Is Brian Shaw available to come back? <laughs> he might probably be available. <laughs> oh, man. Can yeah, we we need back? somebody to eat some innings in the middle of the game. <laughs> yeah. I think Gaddis is is not – yeah, that that poor bastard is having a rough go. I'm I'm hoping I'll say it again. Curry probably deserves a shot here. I think Logan Allen, the second, it, it pitched pretty well, and, and he's going to get you maybe like Phil. Phil put it very eloquently, maybe four to five innings, and then you turn it over to your bullpen, who hopefully finds their shit after this series. But not not a lot of great options. But I could be wrong because I didn't expect Bybee this year. I didn't you know like I didn't expect Gavin. I didn't expect those dudes to come up and and, and be solid. And maybe there's another guy or two down there that we have yet to hear of. So. That's 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 what my hope is. There's just somebody you're going to plug in uh, until somebody gets healthy or somebody gets right. There are still, I mean, that Cody Morris kid is still down there. There's another kid in AAA who is, I mean, still way too young to be pitching in the majors, but um, he might be he might be an option. I think I worry almost as much for the bullpen as I do for the rotation because you know these young guys like Bybee and Williams are awesome. But you could see any time those guys could lose it after four innings. You know, like young pitchers just sometimes have those starts where they can't get it together and they can't recover. And so there's a bullpen game. 
And then you just, you're starting to build in a bullpen game every week with who's there. You had Logan Allen and there's a bullpen game. And all of a sudden, you know, our bullpen is pitching five innings a game, four days a week. That's not a good recipe for the bullpen, man. Like there's just not enough arms and then it can get ugly. Not the reason it got ugly this past weekend, because they all had a week off and they sucked. It's really hard to get excited about this team now with the way this has gone. Bieber getting hurt and not getting anything in return for him with the problems with McKenzie and Quantrill still not coming back yet. This could be a long month or so for the Guardians. So looking ahead to next week, guards start the week tonight in Pittsburgh. And in keeping with our discussion, they're up 10 nothing right now. Um, so they get three against the Pirates and they come home for three against the Phillies. What's going to be better this week? Your summer yard work or the Guardians? The Guardians. I'm trying to keep up after all this rain. I think I got to cut my grass like three times this week. And I've seen some, I got to bring the weed eater out. And it's, I don't want to go that extra mile this week, to be honest. I just want to push, maybe double cut it, maybe do the diamond shape like it's the outfield and go, cool. call it a day. All right, man. I, yeah, wow. I, I don't want to do the, the detail work. So I'm I'm going to say the, the Guardians do the detail work. They take care of business against the Pirates. They should win that series. And uh, Philly, well, was okay. They're all right, but they they should be able. I I, I think I don't even ask us for a. Uh, it's six games, right? Six. Yeah. I'm going to say they can win four of them if they average ten runs a game. It's going to be <laughs> yeah, awesome. This is uh, what we're going to need with this pitching yeah, staff yeah. now. Even if they don't, if they go four and two, they're going to uh, far outshine my yard work. If they go two and four, they might actually outshine my <laughs> yard work. <laughs> so uh, the way this week's going, though, I I agree with Chuck. Like. All right, I'm I'm all in on the guards. Let's get a four and two week under our belt. You guys have got me for optimism by a long shot because I don't know who the hell's going to pitch games over the weekend in Philadelphia. So I'm a little bit worried this is going to be a rough week. It is still going to be better than my yard work, though. Uh, my dog, Honey, dug the same hole for the third time this summer, and I've got to refill that and replant grass. And, um, you know, I don't really appreciate it. She is she's <laughs> a very rude, rude dog. All right, but that's enough. Talking Guardians, let's see if maybe things get a little bit better. Let's move on to our 13 Shades of Brown, our 13-week preview of the Cleveland Browns' upcoming season. And good news, it starts in earnest this week. Training camp begins on Saturday at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. (laughs) Yeah, fancy. With camp kicking off its time, as we did last year, to don our brown rose-colored glasses to look back at 2022 so we can look forward to 2023 tale of two seasons last year both with pretty much the same results jacoby Brissett was the starter for the first 11 games then deshaun watson for the final six uh defense not the best browns finished last in their division as well so with your brown rose colored glasses what was good last year that will carry over into this season Nick Chubb. That's the list. <laughs> I, I actually, I think man, a few list. words. We appreciate <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that might be it. I, I don't, I haven't tried to think about last season much since last season ended. Cause you know, that's kind of the carryover is going to be Nick Chubb. Um, beyond that, you know, miles Garrett's pretty good at football. If he doesn't get in a car accident during the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I completely forgot that happened. You're right. That was right. that was last year. Yeah. That was not, not good. Not good. 
Phil took Nick Chubb, so I, I'll guess I'll, I have to take Donovan Peoples-Jones. He had a really great year last year. <laughs> Good Even though they brought in a bunch of guys to take his job, I still think he gets better. And, you know, like if this is going to be some sort of air raid offense, they're going to need like seven receivers, and he's one of them. So uh, I'll say that'll carry over. Another pleasant surprise out of him this season. It's actually like the core of the team coming back. That You look at it and you say, gosh, these guys actually aren't that shitty. Like you're like Deshaun Watson is back. Amari Cooper is back. Nick Chubb is back. The offensive line is going to be pretty good again. Donovan Peoples-Jones is back. Miles Garrett, some guys on that defense, maybe not so much on the defense, but at least offensively, they should be pretty good. And I'm hoping that what carries over is just some good vibes from Deshaun Watson being in the building all year long and being with the team. And hopefully that that helps them win some games. I'm starting to feel really optimistic about the Browns, um, despite what happened last year, uh, despite all the questions, <laughs> yep. and despite yeah. the entire time we've been alive, um, <laughs> yeah. and the lessons that, that the should evidence. have been teaching us. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, for some reason, I started thinking about it today for the first time for real. Like, you know what? These guys might be okay. That's we'll July. See. July in the Cleveland yeah. Browns uh, calendar yeah. year. That yeah. Best time brings. of year to be a Browns fan, right? <laughs> yep. All right, well, enough Browns. Let's move on to the real good stuff. Baby Cavs took the Summer League by storm out in Las Vegas. They are playing in the finals as we are recording, and they are up, I think, by about 12 or 14 right now. So scale of one to five. One being learning the Dewey Decimal System, five being learning how to drive. How important is this title for the Cavs? Uh, I'm going to I'll put it at like a two. Only because I don't like the other organizations that are in the top that were in the top five. The Rockets stink. The Mavericks traded for Kyrie Irving, then re-signed them. The Pistons. So I guess the Cavs were a playoff team and they're playing shit competition. I'll put it at a two because you're seeing possible rotation players who can help this team off the bench. Mobley's brother had a fantastic summer league. Uh, the Merrill dude shot the lights out from three. We could use that. And even Amani Bates, even though he was up and down, averaged over 16 and had like six rebounds, a, game, a small sample size, five games going into the championship. <laughs> but still, you see maybe little pieces that could get a few minutes and help this team out. So uh, even though I'm on the, the Dewey Decimal side, I still think it's a good thing for this team. I don't know. I kind of want to give it a one. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a one. I'll give it a one and a half for this reason. There's got to be two players on this roster that end up sitting on the bench for the Cavs. There, there's got to be like Sam Merrill. I think hit five three so far tonight on my TV. They're by twenty right now. You know, maybe they're building a culture. Maybe I'm being too hard on them. They're building a culture. This is just about winning at every level, right? It's like it's like the, the I think the Charge were a playoff team last year in the. G that's League. what I mean. Yeah. So you start here. So most of these guys go to the Charge. They they win at the, that level. They went at the with the big boys, but no, I think all seriousness, I think you get a, an Isaiah Mobley, maybe a Merrill. Those two guys might find a seat on the bench because of what their skill set represents. One point seven five. Yeah, I'm at like a two and a half or so. I'm somewhere in the middle. Like it's, I don't think there's going to be a parade tomorrow in Cleveland when these guys <laughs> come back from Vegas. When can you be there? I'll meet you. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, like it's it's fun to win games. And I've, I've watched more summer league basketball this year than I ever have before. And I, re yeah. I was really entertained by it. I I've enjoyed it. Amani Bates is showing about all we could ask him to show at this stage. 
you know, he can shoot, he can play make, he's athletic, he's got a long way to go, but at least he doesn't look like a scrub. And I think for the last two games that I've watched, Isaiah Mobley's been the best dude on the floor in both of those games. And that's a great sign, man. It would be awesome to have him on the bench backing up his little brother, which is weird. Yeah. Having him there to back up Allen and Mobley might be real valuable to the team. So I think this is fun, man. You know, hey, you got to go out there and play these games. You might as well go out and win them. So good job, baby Cavs, making us proud up by 15 with seven to go in the fourth in the summer league finals. I can't wait to see the rings that they get. But, fellas, with that, we're going to close out our first segment. We're going to take our first break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk soccer. We're going to talk golf, and we're going to do some hot takes. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, and you guys know how much I love watching live sports at 4 in the morning. It's a good week for it. The Women's World Cup of Soccer starts this Thursday at 3 a.m. from Australia. Tell me, scale of 1 to 5, 1 being Ted Lasso, 5 being Club de Cuervos, a Spanish-language Netflix show following fictional Cuervo FC, how excited are you for the World Cup? Are the women playing at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m.? The U.S. women? Or no? It's just no, the first they, game. they play yeah. at like 9 o'clock on Friday night. Perfect. There so <laughs> I will be, I mean, I'll, I'll, I like World Cup. I don't care if it's men or women. I should like the women more because they're back to back champions and they're going for a three peat here in the best team in the world. Uh, so I'll put it at a, uh, I'll put it at like a two and a half. I don't know if I'll go out of my way to watch certain games unless it gets deeper into the tournament, but. I'll watch it. I always watch World Cup. I'm assuming the U.S. women's team, they're never going to have that 3 or 4 a.m. time slot. There's no way. They're going for a three-peat. We mentioned this yeah. recently on a podcast. Like, that that doesn't happen that often. The three-peat and, and on the global scale. So I'm not Ted Lasso excited for this. I'm not Jose Cuervo excited for it either, whatever the five was. <laughs> Cuervo's FC. Yeah, yeah, Jose Cuervo. That's terrible. Uh, I'll, put it, I'll put it at, like, uh I'll give it a two and a half as well. Like I, I'm definitely going to tune in if the time makes sense when the women, the U S women are playing. I think I'm going to put it at like a one and a half. I really enjoyed uh, the men's world cup. And I like having like live games on early in the morning, like when I'm starting my day and stuff like that. So I'm really excited for it above and beyond just like the fact that team USA is so good and they're going for something historic. I'm just excited to see world cup soccer which I think is this is exactly the point where my wife is going to turn off the podcast because she <laughs> hates it when I add new sports. <laughs> Speaking of Team USA, let's get to know the team a little bit. Which one of these players from Team USA would you like to hang out and have a beer with? First one, Aubrey Kingsbury, goalkeeper, wears number 21 from Cincinnati, Ohio, only the fifth player to debut for the U.S. women's national team at age 30 or older. Next one, Rose Lavelle, midfielder, also from Cincinnati. Fans of her pro team, Madison FC in Wisconsin, recently named their newborn cow mascot, Rose Cowbell, in her honor. And she described it as one of the greatest moments in her life. So far. Next one, <laughs> Next one Julie Ertz, already a two-time world champion, married to Super Bowl champion Zach Ertz, they have a one-year-old son named Madden who is already a better athlete than me. <laughs> Last one, Trinity Rodman, forward, 
wrote her own children's book named Wake Up and Kick It. Her favorite superhero is her mom, which makes sense because Dennis Rodman's her dad. So which Ooh. member of Team is USA? Real? Yeah. I was going to say it's on the gonna, it's on the team's yeah. website. Yeah, wow, that's yeah. Awesome. I was going to actually say uh, I, I can't believe they lie about Rodman. that. No, you know, like and lie about anything. Say it's Jordan's kid. Anyway, <laughs> which one of these players on Team USA do you want to hang out with? I'm going to go with uh, the goaler over 30. So, well, 30, which is kind of old on that world stage as an absolutely, athlete. yeah. Cincinnati from the Queen City and in, in Ohio City that I like. So I, I would I would want to have a beer with her. The Cavs just got a trophy for winning the summer league. I, I see it. It's like this legit. Is pretty cool. Yeah, that's legit. Yeah. And they got t-shirts, not sweatshirts. Anyway. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely the goalkeeper. Uh, there, there's only one person on that list that's going to be chill to hang out with and have a beer with and just bullshit with. And it's the over 30-year-old goalkeeper <laughs> from Cincinnati. We were from Ohio, man. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely her. Let's, let's have a few beers and uh, talk football is life. I'm going with Rose Lavelle, man. Rose Cowbell. If that's the greatest moment of her life, man, that sounds to me low, like somebody low bar. No, having a beer with Gerber is now the greatest three. moment in his, her life. <laughs> no, I just think she's probably like got a great sense of humor and doesn't take herself too seriously, which reminds me a lot of somebody I know. So I, I, I think I'm going with Rose. But anyway, I'd be happy to have a beer with any of them. It's a pretty interesting group and an interesting mix. You have Kingsbury, who I don't actually know how old she is, but she's you know debuted at older than 30 on the team. There's also a girl who just graduated in the spring from high school who's on the team. Uh, so you have this wild, like almost 10-year age gap between members of this team. It's kind of a weird time maybe for uh, the women's national team. But as you guys have said, Team USA going for a three-peat. They are the favorite. They are like plus 260 to win the World Cup. England and Spain are next at plus 450. Germany at plus 800. Chuck's favorite team, the Netherlands, plus 2,000. (laughs) So are you taking Team USA or are you taking the field? World Cups are crazy. They're they're dominant. They are. Three-peats don't happen that long or that often, I should say. If I'm putting serious money down, serious money, I might take the field. I'm going to take the field. That's the perfect opportunity for me to say these colors don't run. <laughs> I, unless it's on the pitch. Unless it's on the pitch. I'm, yeah. I'm going to, I would take Team USA. I, I, they are a dominant team. Uh, England at two is not that great. Spain had like 15 players resign a little over a year ago. Uh, so I'm surprised they are uh, a top three team. But I, I think it's it's a three-peat deal. They have absolutely dominated World Cup play for eight, it would be eight years, right? Every four years. So 12, yeah, I, w- I would take them, even though uh, it's not a huge payout. I would still bet them. You know, I don't follow enough women's soccer. I haven't followed enough World Cup soccer in my life to, like, appreciate maybe how good Team USA is. It, it's ridiculous how good they are. This is beyond just hey, we're a little bit better than our competition. We are head and shoulders above everybody else. And it's interesting, I think, like I said before, like you're kind of seeing this age transition where some of these, you know, older as professional athletes, not as human beings, women are like in their final run with this team and starting to hand it over to a younger generation. And somehow they're still awesome. Uh, And so it doesn't seem like they're going to skip a beat at all. So uh, I'm all in on America. I love America. So does Chuck. Yep. And that's about it for the podcast, I think. You know, I mean, I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, I know Burke does. But uh, otherwise, (laughs) 
I'm skeptical. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm taking I'm taking Team USA. Even if I don't win a bunch of money, I have a feeling they are going to win it and they're going to get a three-peat. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun for the next fortnight or however long it is fortnight. we watch this. <laughs> Did you see the rings that the baby calves just won? No. They got they rings? Giant rings. They brought them out in huge jewelry boxes, for opened them, games. and they're like... They're Six like games. rotating. They're <laughs> rotating already inside the box. And these are like bigger than any Super Bowl ring. Jeez. They were absurd. They have so much money in the NBA. Yeah. Let's just waste a bunch of money on rings for the team. That, yeah. that, that had to be like, like, like keep them in whatever tax bracket they're in, right? Like we got to spend all this money on these rings yeah. or yeah. we're screwed. Yeah. It's part of the salary cap now, yeah. like the salary floor. Yes. Got to spend it somewhere. Might as well be on rings. Oh boy. All right kind of glad the summer league is over for the nba <laughs> moving on our next great thing to watch early in the morning uh is the open championship the last of golf's four majors of the season it starts thursday morning from royal liverpool the last time it was played there was 2014 rory mcelroy won it he was 25 years old he has not won a major since but he won the Scottish Open last week. He has two top 10 finishes in majors this year. Is it Rory time? No, no. He'll be on the leaderboard for sure. Uh, he's been playing well, but I, I think it's going to go to one of these guys in their late 20s. We'll pull it off. I mean, he changed the reset of the odds board winning last week, and he's won there before, and he's playing really good golf. But I still don't think he Phil. <laughs> I still don't think he I think he's gonna play really well, but I don't I don't think he wins. I've got a feeling this is the type of thing that happens this week for Rory. He has been really consistent most of the year and is kind of doing what a golfer needs to do. He's getting hot right at the right time. Like he's playing his best golf going into this. You know, he's a Euro guy, so these these courses set up nicely for those guys. Um, so I, I'm actually a believer. That, that Rory can get it done this time. But if not Rory, Scotty Scheffler is having a good year. Brooks Kepka, Cam Smith, Victor Hovland's been around in a bunch of the majors. John Rahm has always been around. Do you think the winner is coming from kind of that group or maybe even a, a more expanded group of known guys? Or is somebody coming from out of nowhere this year? If it's, if it's not Rory, Scheffler is having a statistical season that hasn't been seen since like tiger woods in yeah. 2000s right he's just not winning that's right. been the thing he's, yeah, he's, from last year he's just not winning yeah, yeah yeah uh he played well he finished fifth in the scottish open though right so he's, he's playing really yeah. well too i don't mind him but if i if i if i read about it and i did tommy fleetwood's a, is a local guy and he's got really nice odds at plus 1500 and I, I like that bet. <laughs> Scheffler's probably the safe money here, but I'm going to, I'm going to go. I, I don't think Fleetwood's a dark horse. He's probably a top seven odds wise to win this thing. So I, I would take him just because he's local. So the question was, will it come out of that group? I think it will. I, I think it feels like a John Rom kind of, kind of, I don't know why. Like it feels like a John Rom championship here, but yeah. the, the guys you mentioned, I, if it's not Rory, I think it comes out of that group. Yeah, I, I think so too. I'm kind of with you that it's Scheffler probably or Brooks. Kepka's yeah. played really well and he's yeah. rested because he's still like on whatever's left of the live tour. So he's not playing <laughs> that much, you know, so he's probably feeling pretty spry heading over there. I don't know if he gets a fly on the live plane over the pond because 
you know, that's probably a relaxing is way he to get part of the too. flash mob because he could be exhausted. <laughs> yeah, part of the that's flash true. Mob. Yeah, that's true. Oh, boy. I forgot about that. <laughs> anyway, I, I do think if it's not going to be Rory, it's probably it's probably a known guy. To be honest, there's not that many times when somebody comes completely out of nowhere, like a John Daly or something like that to win a major. It's a lot of fun, though. The Open Championship is always like a special tournament. It's always cool because, you know, the Lynx courses play so much different than our courses do here. I'm looking forward to it. As always, I don't know how I'm going to choose between soccer and golf at 5.30 in the morning on, on Thursday morning. It's going to be a tough one for me. I'll text you guys, let you know how it turns out. But let's move on. Another of our summer hot shots, hot takes from around the sports world. Over the weekend, Wimbledon wrapped up. The women's tournament was won for the first time ever by an unranked player. The men's winner was 20-year-old Carlos Alcaraz. Which accomplishment do you think was more impressive? I'm I'm going to go with Carlos Alcaraz because of who he was against. He, you know, he he's playing uh, a guy who has had never lost in 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 like the last whatever how many of our attempts in Wimbledon. Like he was that was he had won four in a row. Yeah, well, like Djokovic which is had won, Djokovic I think, had four won in a row. four in a row, and that was his tournament. And he's all right, he's technically the number two tennis player in the world to Carlos being the number one, but they haven't played each other at Wimbledon, right? So I, I, I was really impressed by that. To borrow from kind of your stance there, Gerbs, I was really excited to see major sports on at 9.30 in the morning on a Sunday yeah, yeah. until I realized it was Wimbledon and that f- was going to take five hours. Yeah, I'm watching at 9.30. I'm like, all right, at this pace, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, it's going to be 2.30 in the afternoon when this thing ends. Like, I'm going to walk away yeah. for a while. But um, I, both impressive for sure. But Carlos just turned 22, I think, like a couple months ago. He was 19, turned 20 in May. That's impressive to to not crumble against a guy that has just won, like you said, four years in a row there. Yeah. I like the other way, unranked, because I, I'm pretty sure tennis rankings are all like golf. Like they go into the hundreds. So if if somebody who is unranked wins the most recognizable tennis tournament on the planet, to me, that's a little more impressive. Really close, I think, because I, I I tend to agree with Denko for all the things he said. Like that guy just beat the unstoppable guy, and he's only twenty years old. Like that's pretty crazy. But I agree, first time ever somebody who isn't ranked wins the tournament. That's a pretty special thing, man. I mean, it's they've been playing this thing since like the eighteen hundreds. So I'm going with, and I didn't include her name in the outline because it's like seventeen letters long <laughs> and. I was never going to come close and I didn't want to give it a shot, but I will give it to the women's winner. Let's move on and talk a little football. DeAndre Hopkins is signing with the Titans two years, 15 million. Does the NFL think this guy is washed? I don't think they think he's washed. I just think they didn't want to play him Odell Beckham Jr., which that's insane what that contract was. And he was looking for something like that. You know, guys typically spout off at that age like i want to sign somewhere i'm gonna win a ring you're not gonna win a ring there so you might as well make some money i don't think it's like a Dwayne bow coming to cleveland kind of signing <laughs> like he's still probably a top 15 receiver top 20 uh receiver in the league but to me that's pricey at his age with his history of didn't he, wasn't he suspended didn't he take peds I'm pretty sure he was suspended for something. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just, I'm glad he didn't end up in Cleveland. Maybe the NBA has like skewed me 
for contracts and money because two years he's getting seven and a half million a year as a top 15 receiver. I don't, that seems low to me. Like this, this felt like a really low number for him to be, to be signing for. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, like I said, the NBA may have frazzled my brain to the point where years and money don't make sense anymore. I was thinking the exact same thing when you said that. I'm like, wait a minute, seven mil a year uh, for two yeah. years. Like that seems like a steal, but then I had to like recalibrate. Like, is that in the NBA? That's your, your, scrub on the end of the bench right um yeah i don't know like i i don't think the nfl thinks this guy's washed but that's still fairly cheap i mean i'm looking at a quick list right now and your your highest paid wide receivers in the nfl are making 20 plus mil a year yeah right yeah like, Ty, tyreek hill's making 30 mil a year Devonte adams 28 mil a year so man seven mil is it seems pretty low it just depends on where you're at in the contracts because there's there's serious talent that's being paid seven mil. Is it really seven? Because it's it's saying two year twenty six million can pay them up to thirty two. Oh, oh, I'm sure it's incentive based, and I'm sure so it's saw... loaded that they can cut him after one year. Is yeah. my guess. So yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah. what 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 came across ESPN this afternoon was two years fifteen million. So maybe it's maybe it's been fleshed out a little bit more. But so, uh, so even two if years he hits... fifteen million, I thought he was washed. But right, he, me, me too. If he's got the incentives to get it up to yeah. 30, then he still might be good. Uh, still kind of a weird spot for him to land in. Like, I would have never guessed Tennessee would be the spot. Yeah. That's, a, that's a strange spot. Who's they they may have quarterback? serious quarterback. Tannehill's still there. Yeah, that's it. They that's may have starter? serious quarterback problems on that. The guy team. from Liberty's there too, right? Then they drafted yeah. Yeah, Liberty yeah, yeah. or Malik Wills. Played a little, yeah, Wills, played a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah, maybe they just shouldn't have traded the guy to the Eagles. He's an absolute stud. What big dude? Is it Brown? Yeah, I think. Yeah, the yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rather have. All right, staying in the NFL, the Jets will be featured on Hard Knocks. Would you rather have even more Aaron Rodgers coverage or be punched in the face? <laughs> I'll take the punch in the face. I can deal with that. Just one and yeah. done. Yes, punch me, please. Yeah. All right. Three for three. We'd all rather be punched in the face than see any more Aaron Rodgers coverage on television. And fellas, with that, why don't we run out of this segment, take our final break. We're going to head off the field, talk some Mission Impossible. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field and go back to one of our good friends from the land running in the cinema our review of the latest mission impossible it's number seven it's dead reckoning part one there will be spoilers we are going to spoil things that happen in the movie so if you don't want to hear the spoilers stop listening skip to the outtakes but even if you haven't seen it if you've seen any of the other Mission Impossible movies, you can probably pretty yeah. much guess what happens <laughs> in this one. Yeah. I've got news for you. There's a train again. Anyway, over the weekend, Mission Impossible 7 brought in $80 million in the U.S., $235 million worldwide. Tom Cruise is doing just fine. Now, as I watched the movie this afternoon at the theater, several random questions jumped into my mind. So I'm just going to rattle them off. You guys pick one, answer it. First one. Is there an advanced metric for measuring how many hits from a lead pipe Ethan Hunt can take? <laughs> Next one, how would the news have covered the car chase through Italy? <laughs> Next one, with all the recent submarine news, how do you think they're getting to the Russian sub in part two? Last one, was the whole thing about missing the train just an excuse for crews to ride a motorcycle all over the Alps or necessary for plot development? <laughs> 
Wow, those are all really good questions. Yeah. Really, <laughs> really good questions. You know, you know, um, this is your your quintessential summer blockbuster, right? Every Mission Impossible movie has been that. So the question I'm going to answer has to do with the excite bike ride through the Alps. Like there is, there is no reason for that at all in, in the plot of the movie, but man, is it fun to watch really cool scenery. Somehow the mountain is shaped like a, a ramp for him to feel jump like off. Made of. that. I feel like that yeah. was computerized. I don't know that if that was part like of the Matterhorn or not, but that was perfect. Like he, he rode up that ramp and it was, it was beautiful. I loved it. It was fun. He got to go back and forth with Benji a lot, a lot of yelling and, there was some comedic relief in there too before yeah. spoiler alert he comes crashing through the perfect car of a moving train <laughs> that was fantastic yeah. <laughs> i like that that i think there's a lot of timeliness to this film and the submarine is you know like how are they going to get i i guess i'll find out in dead reckoning too how they get to the submarine but it's a question out there. This, there's there's a few elements of this movie that are extremely timely. Uh, the submarine one is just a bystander of what happened a few weeks ago, so I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, I have a feeling that you know somewhere in the movie company that was releasing this movie, there was some discussion when the whole submarine tragedy started showing up on the news. Like, hey, wait a minute. We're about to come out with a movie that starts with you know a submarine tragedy happening. All of these are pretty good questions. You know, another one I had was at one point, like they're telling him that like um, the bad guys telling him that one of the two women is going to die like that night and almost like he was going to have to choose. And as I'm watching the movie, my thought was like, gosh, I wonder if I was placing this situation with my co-hosts, Phil and Chuck, how I would ever make a decision. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, which, one of them, which one of them would make it? I don't like um, that question. No, especially in the movie, one woman he just met. The other one he's known and, and survived uh, jobs for years. Yeah, so I'm glad I didn't have to make that decision. Yeah. Woo. I, I guess, you know, I would love to know what the metric is for how many times you can be hit with a lead pipe because he's in that scene where he's fighting in that super small alley. And he gets hit a whole bunch of times with a lead pipe and he just keeps, he keeps moving. And I think that would really hurt. Moving on. We all know how Tom Cruise runs in these movies. And I guess most of the movies that he's in, do you think that's really how he runs or is it just like acting as part of the character? God, I hope that's how he really runs. I want to, I would love to think he's going, all right, honey, I'm leaving for a morning jog. And he's running through the, he's just running like this through the neighborhood. A little visual effect there, but no, I, I, I think I, I remember reading something and it was years ago. It might've been in front of one of the mission impossible movies or, or maybe the top gun movie where he was asked about his running style. And he basically says he does this for the film because otherwise running looks fake. I'm like, man, you've never seen a human <laughs> run. Like you have never. And no one on set has the balls to tell you you're so wrong Forrest Gump. Like this is not how people run. I guess he does it for the movies. I kind of hope that's how he really runs, even on a treadmill. It's definitely how he fucking runs on a treadmill or out in the open on a track. He does his own stunts. He jumps out of planes. He flies off uh, CGI ramps that make it look like mountains. That's exactly what happened to it. But when it comes to this stuff, like I assume if you're just going up to your local track curb in Ludington, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some sprint work. And Tom Cruise is there. That's exactly how oh, that goofball that runs. So it, all, <laughs> uh, it has to be how that guy runs. He has put it on film in every film for at least 15 years. That's exactly <laughs> how he runs in real life. 
interesting to go back through his filmography and find out when the first time he ran like this was because i feel like it was in the first mission impossible i don't know if i ever remember seeing him run like all the right moves there's no way he ran like this in all the right moves in in football pads no way in hell yeah, uh, he must know how to run like a normal person. The last samurai? Is this how he ran in the last <laughs> samurai? I don't remember. Uh, you know, it's so hard to tell. He had a sword. He's got under <laughs> all the armor. Harder to like run that. then. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, unhindered yeah. running. That's yeah. how he runs. In a suit. This is how you run in a suit. I don't know. I guess I don't run in a suit very much. Maybe I need to try that. <laughs> interview with a vampire then. Is this how he ran in interview with a vampire? <laughs> I, it can't be how he runs in real life. I think I buy that for him, the visual is so important that he thinks it looks cooler to run this way on film than to just like run like normally that actually makes more sense than he runs this way in real life all right all time best movie spy ethan hunt tom cruise and in all these mission impossible movies sean connery as james bond but i would accept other versions of james bond if if i'm wrong that he's not like the best one uh jason Bourne, and last one is Tom Arnold in True Lies. Which one of those is the best movie spy oh, of all time? <laughs> True Lies was on like two weeks ago and I watched part of it. I'm like, that movie still holds up. It's still oh, yeah. a really it's good. good movie. Yeah. And Tom Arnold carries it. Arnold gets all the credit. Though the, the Jamie Lee Curtis dance scenes, that might have carried it for a young prepubescent boy. Uh, yeah. Forearms irritated. Yeah. I, oh man, Bourne's a really good one because that kind of made these movies more gritty because of the Bourne movies that Bond movies around that time were kind of cartoonish. The Pierce Brosnan stuff wasn't that great. I don't think it's recency bias. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Ethan Hunt. He's, he's, he's really good at his job and the missions are impossible. I've never seen it. Uh, <laughs> they're always impossible yet. They become possible throughout them. I don't know though. Cause this is only part one. There is a part two to dead reckoning. So I don't know if it's possible. I think he's, he's the best out of all the ones that you've, given only because this is like almost 20 plus year to 30 year run where there were three James Bonds in that time. Uh, and the Connery ones, I, I'm, I know this is sacrilege. I wasn't a really big fan. I'm not a huge fan of the Bond series. I'm more of a born and mission impossible guy. So this is an interesting question. Like I'm rating these spies based on like their efficacy, right? Like how good were they at being a spy? No, it's, it's fine. Just the best I, one. I don't need an explanation. It's just the best I, I, one. I yeah, the best like spy. Be the best movie. It could be the most entertaining. The best spy based on their their ability to be a spy. So I like the Jason Bourne movies the best, but I don't know that he was a great spy because he didn't even know who the hell he was. Like true. he, yeah, he, true. He's more of an he assassin failed. too than he a spy. Failed yeah. to get into that, and then he kind of came out of it. But I think from a success rate, now you're looking at Bond versus Ethan. I don't know. I think Bond's. Spoiler alert, Bond's dead. Ethan's still kicking. Is he really? He, I didn't see the last one. Yeah, oh, sorry. It's, I'm sorry. Did Bond die in the okay. last one? Really? Well, they really make it look like he did. Uh, if he survives that, I, I guess he could. He's James Bond. But he's not going to be just another Bond. I mean, that's Sean just... Connery is dead, isn't he? No, maybe he's not. <laughs> I don't know. The best spy, Ethan Hunt has all like the modern era tools and. It, his stuff's cool. Bond was cool, but the Sean Connery Bond stuff was, I don't know. It's fun to watch, but it, it was weird. I, I like Ethan Hunt stuff. I like, I like the, the Halloween masks that he puts on with the little tape over yeah. his voice box. Pretty great. He can be We're any human being yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I'll, I'll go with Ethan Hunt. I'll give him the, the, the lead by, by a little. 
That was a lot more analysis than I ever expected <laughs> on that question. I kind of thought that was going to be a throwaway, but I appreciate the effort and the thought you guys put That's into hard, it. Hard, hard hitting question. Uh, I'm going with Tom Arnold and True Lies. Moving on uh, for this movie, for Dead Reckoning Part One, what was the best action sequence of the movie? I actually like the entire airport chase down bomb scene going on at the same time two plots going together my yeah, yeah. my anxiety was actually pretty high like what could possibly everything could possibly go wrong and it's still going to go wrong so to me that's even though it wasn't like super unbelievable action like you got mostly with the the train and stuff uh i like that because it was anxiety on top of anxiety with two massive plot points merging chuck getting suckered into the anxiety of like the action sequence that yeah, takes man. place in the first five Oof, minutes yeah. This movie's gonna suck. You really think this gonna nuke die. is going to go off in the airport, <laughs> yeah. kill everybody in the first 10 minutes of the movie? Come on. It wasn't the first 10 minutes. That was a phenomenal scene, though. Like from, from yeah. an action, no, I agree with you. action I agree. Yeah. scene, from an action scene standpoint where you feel like, holy shit, when's the last time I took a breath? It was the airport scene for me and the train scene. Again, spoiler alert, when each car just falls down that cliff one after the next after yeah. the next like both of us i'm like oh god this is all right it's enough already how many cars are on this train right like how many how many nuclear bombs are going off at this airport but i guess if i had to pick one i'll go with the train it, it seems a little bit more cliche but the way they did it and it just kept going and it, i kept thinking in my head at this point because that, that at that point it, you're like two hours and 20 minutes into this movie yeah. right yeah I kept thinking like, oh, Orient Express. I think it's probably got like 99 cars on it. Are we not like how long are we gonna go here? And it just kept going. But it was that was a fun action scene. I, I like the way they filmed it. The the cars where they were completely uh vertical. So it was almost like they were you you had to kind of acclimate to what was happening because they were falling down, but you know, the car, the floor of the yeah. car was vertical. So the it, it was it was pretty cool. I like that scene a lot. I'm on the train scene as well. But the part where he's fighting like the bad guy on top of the train and they go into the tunnel. Oh, yeah. Um, that was kind of like this kind of like claustrophobic and like the, the, the lights are in the tunnel are almost knocking him down. And the guy's like kind of going after him with the knife, like when they're, when they're like, they're like pinned was down. It like on Dennis top Hopper, of Dennis Hopper in speed. Is that what you thought? Yeah. Like, uh -oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's going to hit a sign. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to spoil speed. <laughs> Oh jeez, that was uh, that was. I thought that was a pretty intense scene. I thought that was fun. Although there, obviously, there's a ton in the movie, but um, I, I did like that one. All right, did the action ever reach a point where it was unintentionally hilarious to you? Yeah, probably a couple of times. But the, you had mentioned the the car chase in in Italy when the female lead had to had to drive because they were handcuffed and they just kept going around in circles because she couldn't yeah. figure out how to accelerate. Yeah. I'm like, this is unnecessary. This is so unnecessary for the movie. Like it had no, no reason to be in the movie, but I couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, that's funny. That's funny. She doesn't want to drive. And now she's driving this souped up Fiat. And all she can do is drive in circles toward the monster truck that was coming at her. So yeah, I laughed at that. See, I almost think that was intended to be funny. Mm. So an unintentional comedy. Unintentionally. Because being hit by a you shouldn't have been laughing, is pretty but... funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Third time he got hit by a lead pipe is funny. A, a part of that car chasing that became funny to me is whatever the female villain was driving seemed like 
it was completely indestructible yeah. no matter what she was driving through columns and stairs and other cars and it didn't matter uh so that was the only but most of these like this these movies i've always kind of suspended disbelief for and just yeah. enjoyed the ride but that to me was like at, at some point i'm like this is a, it's like a vehicle battering ram that has no and then it didn't start and i was like oh well that's yeah. what i laugh like this is now unbelievable that it could smash through three foot thick concrete but then it can't start so yeah yeah mine is what what phil was just mentioning when the train cars are falling off the track and you keep thinking that they're they're gonna get through and then another one starts to fall and you're like jesus how many of these things they have to get through a lot now there's a now there's a piano and i think when i saw the piano was when i started laughing out loud in the theater like all right this is great how are they gonna get out of this one and then after that it's like you know it's like the food car and then the the piano car like what's after that the mail car is next they're gonna be dodging bags of mail falling down uh i thought that that was a part that i laughed at that i don't think was supposed to be funny that you know, not that I didn't enjoy the ride, but it, you know, that was a, that was a little bit much for me. All right. Scale of one to five. I hate to keep going back to this, but I can't help it. One being Ethan's ability to be hit by a lead pipe. Five being Ethan's ability to keep a love interest alive. How screwed is the IMF for part two without their mask making machine? Is that the only mask making machine? Be. Like, is that can't uh, be, where right? are they like, going to get another one? Like, I feel like that was like the, that was like the mobile mask making machine. It was in True. a suitcase. <laughs> There's got to be a mask making machine at a, at a headquarters somewhere. But if there is no more mask making machine, this entire organization is screwed. It is predicated on me putting a <laughs> super realistic face on me and a, piece of band-aid over my vocal cords to to sound like this person that's it like that's that's their entire plan so if they have no more mask making they're screwed it's over after the eighth mission impossible movie there's there's more than one mask maker there ha i mean this series for 20 some years has been predicated on mask making and to me it's got to a point where like like the villain in this has caught up with where we're at timeline wise but the reveals for the mass still get me like when you you guys watch arrested development when like gene parmesan would show up and the mother would be like god like every time it still gets me that they have the mask making so uh, there has to be more in part two or i won't be enjoying it as much as i did part one so did you think the dude who is standing really super weirdly in the back of the meeting near the beginning of the movie was like legitimately there or did you not believe that that was somebody wearing a mask? Well, it was a little grainy. <laughs> so I was thinking, <laughs> who is can't that? be that dude. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, anybody could have been wearing a mask in the entire movie the way I had to watch it. <laughs> but yes, I, I started to feel that him playing the playing the wall and not saying much and only yeah. kind of, yeah. Like, oh, Looking super weird-eyed at everybody. Yes. yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What is more interesting to you? Dead Reckoning Part 2 or Top Gun Part 3? Do we have to wait 20-some years for Top Gun Part 3? Because <laughs> if that's the case, I will not be interested. No. no, no. Coming out in the next two or three years. It's somewhat, like, I enjoyed Top Gun 2 so much that I don't know how it's improved for 3 unless you're handing it off here to whatever Rooster or Miles, whatever that kid's real name is. It's a recency, but I want to see how this ends because I think this is really probably it. I'm hoping this is the I think last... they've already said that it is, yeah. yeah if, if it is, I want to see it wrapped up because it has been quality, except for two, two sucked, uh, quality films for 20 plus years. So I want to see how this wraps up where Top Gun 
it hands it off to probably Miles Teller, and then that can continue somewhat. So right now, I want to see how Dead Reckoning 2 is. I'm more interested in Mission Impossible 8, Dead Reckoning 2, for this reason. It's it's a it's the end of an eight-film run where it was continuous, right? I mean, I think the first one came out like in 96, something yeah. like that, right? Like, it's been continuous, whereas the next Top Gun movie is... Man, did I love the second Top Gun movie. I really did. I've watched it three or four times, I think. But... The next Top Gun movie, let's be honest, they're they're just taking advantage of a cash grab. Like, hey, we've got everyone interested in this again. Let's do this. Not that Mission Impossible isn't, but at least there's like some. Say, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ne- don't get me wrong. Neither one of these things is reinventing the storyline. We're gonna see the exact same story yeah. in whatever movie's coming next. Uh, but but if I had to choose, I'm more interested to seeing the eighth and final episode of Mission Impossible than I am in Top Gun Three. This is where we depart, gentlemen, because I oh. think I'm more interested in in a Top Gun 3. I don't know that I've seen a bunch of the Mission Impossible movies. Like, I kind of felt like one was awesome, two was terrible, and then I think I stopped watching them until I saw this one. Oh, man, there's good ones in there. Yeah, there's really good maybe ones. I, maybe I need to go back and watch some of those again. I don't know. But I think I'm more interested in Top Gun 3, man. I think you can still a lot of story to be told and absolutely no reason why Top Gun can't go on an eight film run over the next like 15 years uh, to, to catch up. And by, by that math, then the fast and the furious is like the best because <laughs> they're already up to 10. So anyway, where do you think mission impossible ranks among the great movie franchises? And there's a bunch, but the ones that jumped out to me right away, star Wars, Indiana Jones, Avengers, hate to say it fast and the furious transformers maybe there could be others where would where do you kind of put mission impossible in that pantheon i'd put it up towards the top because other than two and gerby haven't seen them all other than two they're all entertaining and that's what i want there's no misses and and the avengers really had like a four movie run but the last two to me i would put that at one over everything you're saying i think endgame and infinity war are phenomenal films uh even if you don't like comic book movies but this is kind of like gritty and i guess real life-ish <laughs> they're not so he's not a superhero um yeah. but i always find them enjoyable and i, I after watching then i started to think like when does tom cruise really miss like how often does he miss when it comes to films like he took a few chances when we were younger in movies and that but like i'd put it up there i feel loves indiana jones more than i do i would put it above that I don't love Star Wars like everybody, so I might put it above of that. I hate the Fast and Furious movies, <laughs> uh, so I would put it above that. But I, w- I would probably put the the Avengers above it just because, to me, those are fantastic films, the last two at least. But but still, they don't have a 25-year run like like this does, so it deserves its recognition. So this is difficult because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I'm a huge Indiana Jones fan, and I'm a huge comic book guy. So we're hitting all three of those, right? I'll be perfectly honest. I feel like Star Wars, the original trilogy was phenomenal. And I I was entertained by all nine films, but at the same time, like it, they didn't really stand up. Like it, they weren't that great a movie after a while. Same with Indiana Jones. I saw the last one recently and I thought, oh God, John Wick four is better than this. So, you know, it's oh, that's it's, another one I forgot. I should have included John Wick on the list for sure. No, I, I don't know that, that you one. should have. John Wick's kind of like a, that's like a back alley kind of, you're a fan oh, of John Wick. Four of them. Oh, I know. They've made four well, of them. That's a, that's a. So I'll throw another one in there. You didn't include the Bourne series. Like that's phenomenal sure, yeah. too, right? Yeah. There's Fair a lot enough. out there. When you're talking about summer franchises, these movies yeah. are about entertainment and action. 
we're not talking about the Godfather movies. We're not talking about that kind of right. Exactly. So, yeah. So I'm going to put mission mission impossible. uh, The fact that they're going into their eighth movie in all, but one. And I will tell you that the, the one that the one that got the worst rating, the second one, I went to the theater to see it because it was a summer blockbuster deal. Right. And it sucked. But after that, like the rest of them were every movie was entertaining. I enjoyed every one of them. Whereas there's movies like, the most recent Indiana Jones where I'm like, all right, this movie's about 45 minutes longer than it needs to be. You know, what are some of the other franchises you put? Oh, the, the Avengers stuff. So I'm a huge comic book fan, but again, that, that is, that is becoming very obvious. Like we're just going to make a shit ton of money. And these movies don't even have to be that good anymore. There were some really good movies in there, but there's so many of them. I'm going to put mission impossible. If I could add the born series to it, I'll put those at one a and one B because I was entertained with every single one of them as they came out for what they were hard man a really hard question because like the the first three star wars the first three indiana jones those are like iconic movies yep. and there it seems to me there used to be a time when like the franchise was three movies and that was it and then you were done like the back to the future movies or something like that that's another one we didn't even talk about yeah, rocky yeah, yeah. you know yeah, rocky yeah, there, right? man you right. know like <laughs> this gets it's so hard to do this I guess I kind of looked at Star Wars and Indiana Jones as like the Pantheon and like these movies would come one behind those. But I think that's because the first three that they made of those were so iconic. Right. You know, right. Not for nothing, man. Like 20 years of doing these movies and keep keeping people coming back every summer. That's pretty impressive, man. That's a nice run for for Mission Impossible. So real fast, Bourbon Scale, Dead Reckoning part one uh i'm gonna give it a four it is quality it is what a summer blockbuster should be it is non-stop action uh it is at times unbelievable so suspend your disbelief as you should with these movies but i always leave them entertained as they should be so i'm gonna give it a four here's how i rate summer blockbusters these days i'm sitting in a recliner so i'm pretty comfortable right i'm sitting in a, a comfortable chair watching it in an, an amazing theater and every movie is two hours and 30 minutes, two hours and 45 minutes long. And if I'm looking at the time throughout the movie, I'm like, shit, is this thing almost over or what? Then I'm not going to rate it too high. I never once looked at my phone to see what time it was during this movie. I was entertained from start to finish. Chuck gave it a four. I, I like that rating. I'm going to give it a 4.25 and I'll tell you why. There was a scene where Tom Cruise ran his crazy run through a through an, an amount of candles I have not seen since your girlfriend, you were dating oh, high school, like I have not, like I, I, the whole time I'm watching the scene, I'm like, look, I've seen this somewhere before. I've seen this somewhere before. And then I, it, it dawned on me. So I'm going to nudge it up to 4.25 because of the girl you were dating in high school. Cutting that entire oh, section. Come on. We're going to skip that entirely. I'm going to give it like a four. I'll go like as far as a four and a half because it was what it said it was. Uh, it was a summer blockbuster. It was really entertaining. They did just enough to like wrap up the storyline of this movie, but you know, leave you looking forward to what they're going to do in the last one. Uh, that I assume is coming out next summer. Uh, hopefully, it's already in the can since now everybody's on strike. Yeah, but no shit. Um, I think it 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 was exactly what it was supposed to be, and I was entertained. So I'll put it up pretty high. I'll put it like a four, four and a half, something like that. It was very entertaining, very good movie. But fellas. We are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that scientists in Sydney, Australia, recently discovered the coolest star ever analyzed using radio astronomy. 
the star is burning at a lower temperature than a typical campfire. With that news, that there is a small but growing movement in the Midwest to name this ultra-cool brown dwarf star the Gerber. I hope you guys have a great oh, week. No. And let's get together and do this again real soon. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Who is your favorite young gemstone? Oh man, uh, that's a good question. I like. Oh, I don't know. They were all pretty good. Was I was I wrong in that they were using the actual grown ups' voices, but just altered to voice their young kids? I think they. Were. Oh, I don't know. Maybe they were, or I, I thought the one thing I thought about it was like, holy shit, they did an amazing job of getting these kids to talk. Yeah. With like the same verbiage and right, pace right. and tone and everything like that as like the adult actors. Maybe they were using their voices. I don't I, know. I if they did, it was fucking awesome. <laughs> I think they were because there were times where they would say something you could tell, like, man, that's the same actor. And they just like brought the they, they brought like the bass out of the voice and like made yeah. it sound yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I liked I I mean, I guess I, I was pleasantly surprised by uh what judy's character like she's yeah yeah she was my favorite she was yeah. fucking awesome as a kid yeah. yeah like that was hilarious because uh i i guess i never really paid enough attention to know that she was like a you know a fat kid and, and kind of that that yeah. persona yeah yeah oh but just the same like so oh like, yeah oh so yeah. awkwardly aggressive like the entire yeah. time yeah yeah, man, it was, uh, it's good. I mean, yeah, they're all good though. Jesse, Jesse, the kid that's playing Jesse's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the whole, like, um, um, Keith, the weird, <laughs> oh man, damn, that guy is so <laughs> funny when he's talking to the youth group. Yeah. Oh, it's great. At the ice cream social. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the ice cream and, and wieners. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. oh it's so bad now see here's the thing bates is a chucker rooster or miles whatever that kid's real name is i'm really interested in seeing how definitely this wraps not, up his real name is definitely not rooster. It miles teller miles it is miles teller. it's not yeah, rooster teller. well what's his name in it is that rooster yeah, in the movie. movie's name is Rooster. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, said, so what's his name in real life? It's definitely not Rooster, is all I, I was said saying. Miles. So okay. All right. Jeez. Miles Straw. Miles Garrett. Uh, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Meryl's old as dirt. He's 27. Yeah, Meryl's old. He's Holy older than cow. anyone who starts for the Cavs. <laughs> he is. <laughs> But it's 43% funny. from three, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. So That's what you need, man. That... Sometimes those guys who become like three point sharpshooters mm -hmm. develop like a little bit later, you know, and it's 24 it... points tonight. Where, where did he come from? I, I mean, 26. Know. He's just been floating around in the, like the G oh, League. Look, maybe. Yeah. He had to be. A... I, I think he's been with us for a while it, on the charge. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a good guy to put on your bench, right? Like oh, a guy no. that can just come off the bench yeah. and can threes. Yeah. 
not we need that yeah and he also Same. looks like he's been spending the entire summer league like at the pool like he he's got a really great tan. Like he looks like, like Ken. the bleach blonde hair. He does <laughs> yeah, look like Ken. Yeah. He should be. <laughs> he in is the absolutely having a Barbie summer, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> he was dr- drafted by the Pelicans in 2020, but somehow ended up with the Bucks and won a, a ring. Mm. And then the G League for Memphis. Yeah, G League. Oh, I think Memphis. we made that joke during the. Maybe Maybe as we were getting ready for the playoffs, we made that joke that that guy had championship experience. It's good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The other guy. You want to get rid of those? Yeah. Yeah. No. Sorry. No, that's right. Let's get another beer. She was moving around. Oh, you What's up, baby? Yeah. You get handed another beer. I've got to leave a room. Yeah, well, they're, um, she got blue moons and the light sky citrus wheats and can't stand them. So I have to have bourbon and one beer in me to deal with the, deal, the yeah. taste of it. So yeah. I'm like, let me, hear, let me help you get rid of this. What a great advertisement for blue moon light. It's not, Delicious it's, after a whiskey and beer. But you know, you know, that's not wrong, right? Like alcohol, alcohol gets yeah. better as you yeah. go on. Cause sure, after a while. Yeah. So I get this text yesterday while I'm sitting down for the movie last night, my buddy, George, who you guys know, he's down in like Turks and Caicos or whatever for the week. Right. So he's down in the Caribbean and he's on his fifth. They, they don't have, they don't have bourbon. I'm like, yeah, you're in the Caribbean. They have rum. Yeah. Rum. Yeah. Yeah. Get rum, get a tequila. Don't, but no bourbon. So he, he orders a bottle of scotch. I'm like, oh, terrible, terrible decision. He's texting me and it's, it's with my godson. Who's like 19 years old, 20 years old. He's drinking with him. Right. So he ordered a bottle of the room. So the two of them drink the scotch. And he said, he said, I just had my fifth shot of scotch. It's gotten worse with every shot. I'm like, that is the worst sign ever. Like, oh, you cannot yeah. stop at that, that point. It shouldn't yeah. get worse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm like, yeah, scotch tastes like dirt. If you like moist dirt, uh, yeah. enjoy that. When Tursa came here to visit with his family, uh, it was one of the days we went out to lunch together to this like rooftop outdoor deck place here in town. And it was so hot and so humid and like so gross outside we're just kind of like getting in there getting into the, some of the shade that they had up there on the rooftop and uh for his appetizer he ordered like a uh like a white fish dip i just remember looking at him like why are you ordering that on like this type of day like that's just gonna be, that's gonna be so bad the only thing worse would have been like chili <laughs> <laughs> like a cup a of nice warm broccoli bowl of cheese soup. soup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, I like this back to, back to back weeks oh, bagging on Tursic. This oh, is a great man. podcast. <laughs> it's like it's two hours and forty yeah. something minutes yeah. long. It'll take me yeah. more than two days then. Yeah. Well, it only um, took me two days because the show's the coming out Sunday morning. <laughs> I got to watch uh, it Sunday morning. Shows on going to be on Peacock, I think. A John focuses on, it focuses on the Continental. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I'll tell you what else is unreasonably long. This, this podcast. podcast, we yeah. did it. Yeah. We did it. We, we did still it. got two we minutes to get off. <laughs> 
We did no, this. I got, I got midnight. Oh, I got midnight on my clock. 11.59 on, on God, the laptop. Erie's in a different time zone? It's true. Yeah. I am in a yeah. different time yeah. zone. <laughs> I feel like you should be ahead of us, but whatever. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is it tomorrow? <laughs> How'd the Guardians do in their second game against the Pirates? <laughs> Uh, all right boys all right guys that was a good one fellas yes all right boys have a great night all right love you guys love you guys love you later good night what do you mean i'm funny funny like a clown you didn't use you